Hey, this is Sadie. You're listening to Trafficked. And this is Jess. We have a missing and murdered Indigenous woman episode for you. It's about time. I I've been know. missing these. Me as well. Took me only a year to consistently get episodes out, but here we are. I want to start off by showing you Hannah Harris. Oh, she's beautiful. Right? Truly, truly, truly was. Hannah Harris was born on May 5th, 1992. Oh, a Taurus. Fun. We love to see it. This case is another reason I don't trust the 4th of July. Um, Not many. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there as well. Okay. okay, so Hannah Harris grew up as a wild, determined child. Her loved ones say that she was the one that would get others in trouble with her crazy plans and ideas. <laughs> which you. Which is relatable. Wow, yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, maybe it's because she's a Taurus. It's that Taurus energy. Who's to say? So her close circle consisted of a sister, Rose, mm-hmm. a cousin, Marty, who was a little bit older than her, but she remembered Hannah way more as a little sister than a cousin, mm-hmm. which I love, and Desi Rodriguez, Lone Bear. Her mom was named Melinda, and so those are kind of the characters that we have going forward. Okay. So Hannah ran away from home a lot. Uh, beginning when she was 16, she followed a boy to Wyoming, and she did a couple more times after that. Her MO was kind of – her MO was running away and then calling her grandma to come get her and bring her home. Mm-hmm. Uh, her grandma did try to set a boundary one time and was like, this is the last time. I'm not doing this anymore. Who's to say how that how that improved? Right after high school ended, Hannah meets Skylar. She moved in with him in Billings, Montana, and that's two hours away from the reservation she grew up on. Mm-hmm. Marty said she didn't like Skylar. His vibe was awful, and the first time she met him was the last time she met him. Gotcha. I guess she looked at him and was like, this is it. This is the guy. This is your everything. And Hannah was like, yeah. And Marty was just like, uh-uh. Not impressed. Not impressed. We've all been there. We've all we've had a all been there. We've all been the one dating a Skylar. We've all been the one meeting someone who was excited about dating a Skylar. Yes. We've all had our uh, cycles of the moon, for sure. Mm. Her family tried for two years to convince her to leave Skylar, and Hannah kind of lived this time on the fence. She would go back and forth between her reservation and Skylar's home, and before anyone knew it, Hannah was pregnant, which is how it happens. (laughs) Hannah's grandma said that the only time she met Skylar was during an ultrasound. Skylar wouldn't stop pacing. So Hannah's grandma asked what he was doing that for, and he said he doesn't like being in small rooms since he was in prison. Oh. And grandma was like, why were you in prison? And Skylar said, you know, trying to kill someone. Nice. Yeah, so casual, (laughs) subtle, nothing to be concerned about. August 28th, 2012, Hannah gives birth to Jeremiah. According to Marty, she grew up significantly and thrived as a mom, and it was really easy, I guess, for her to just switch into mom mode. Oh, I love that. Marty remembered that Hannah grew up on her after that because Marty wasn't done, as she said, being heathen, basically. Mm. But it was really interesting for her and all of the like their aunts and even Hannah's mom to watch her really just like embrace this role. Ultimately, on August 29th, 2013, Hannah calls her grandma at 7 a.m. and asks for a ride home. She was done with Skylar for good. So Hannah and 10-month-old Jeremiah moved back to the Lame Deer Reservation. She also was always hanging out with people who others may not think had a lot of potential. Yeah. And that was just like a Hannah move. Like she always saw the best in everyone. Which is a, a beautiful and admirable quality to have. But I think that sometimes... They're concerning for relatives. Well, and also I think some people don't have people for a reason. 
Yeah, I agree. And that's rare. And I think that shouldn't stop us from extending love to everyone, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. No, that's when a you're really that good. kind of person that that takes people in. Yeah. Some people don't have people for a reason. For a reason. Yeah, they drive them away or they're not this sounds shitty. They're just straight up not deserving of other people's time because they're like sucky this is you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they destroy the time they're given. They're like emotional energy vampires. Right. Hannah showed up one day to a Father's Day celebration with this girl, Eugenia Roland, known as Gina for the rest of the story. Everyone was like, who is that? And they said Gina was another one of Hannah's strays. A few days later, Rose is visiting the reservation for the 4th of July weekend. So that's Hannah's sister. Mm-hmm. She had planned a wedding reception for July 5th since all their family would be around. Another thing to remember is that thousands of people come back to the reservation for the 4th of July powwow. Lots of families camp, they tent, they set up teepees, and typically they camp out with their families. Mm -hmm. The whole point is that people who live off the reservation often come home for this monumentous time of year. So Hannah asks her uncle Elton to watch Jeremiah on the 4th so she can go to the powwow. We love a responsible mom getting, you know, childcare sorted so that you can go out and not worry about it yeah she runs into marty at the powwow they had fun drinking and dancing and it was just it was fun she just moved home she was seeing all all of her people around 11 p.m marty's group of friends tries to convince hannah to give them their keys and they get into a little bit of a disagreement over whether hannah was good to drive marty actually tried to wrestle the keys from her but fails and hannah was like i'm leaving and marty hoped she was going home Marty's the last person to see Hannah alive at around 11.55 on July 4th. July 5th, we'll call it first day missing, Hannah's mom, Melinda, goes into work at 6 o'clock at the gas station on the reservation, and the first customer comes into the store and lets her know that Hannah's car is abandoned on the side of a road near Mighty Creek with two flat tires. Hannah's nowhere around it. Shit. Right. So well, that's a terrifying thing to hear as a mom. Yeah, and at the beginning of your shift, no less. Mm-hmm. It's not really one of those situations where she had the privilege to immediately run and go check it out and see what was going on. Right. Melinda panics, but has to work the rest of her shift. And as soon as she gets off, she comes through the town asking everyone if they'd seen Hannah. Everyone said not since the night before. And she and her daughter Rose go to check out the car at that point. They open the doors and they don't see anything weird except that Hannah's missing. They were really scared to open the trunk because they know of the missing and murdered indigenous women epidemic. Mm -hmm. They know of the rumors that, you know, you don't go to the police because they don't care. Mostly in this moment, they were crippled by the fear that Hannah had become another one of the statistics. Rose actually ended up pulling the trunk lever anyway. And of course, it was empty to their relief. But I wanted to just include that because I don't think any of us really understand the anxiety that they felt in that moment. Kind of back to this community we're talking about. So people on the reservation don't grow up learning to call for the police. Police had never been there for their community the way that they were for white people or rich people. They learn that you call your uncle or your brother, you call your family, and you really lean on the community when you need help. Yeah. Their police officers come from outside of the reservation into their community to police. They don't know the community. They don't know the ins and outs. And even more so, they actually rotate in and out of different reservations. Mm-hmm which prevents them from really becoming acclimated to the ins and outs of any one individual reservation. Right. So Rose then goes to her uncle Elton's house to see Jeremiah and her uncle's immediately asking where Hannah is. She's supposed to pick up the baby before then, all of that. Jeremiah wasn't doing well. He wanted his mom. 
as importantly, he really wanted his mom's milk. He was strictly breastfed. He didn't want a bottle. He didn't want formula. The family actually ended up reaching out to the rest of the community for any breastfeeding moms who wanted to donate some of their milk. Just because oh. Jeremiah just was really inconsolable yeah. and heartbroken. That's kind of beautiful, though. Yeah. And I think really speaks to reservation culture. Yeah. I can't super speak to it because I'm a white girl, but... I think that that really speaks to a sense of community. A lot of this case involves understanding and learning that the Lone Deer community specifically, they were so tight-knit mm-hmm. and they really did come together for Hannah in this case at every element. So there are examples that we're going to discuss about like how the police failed to act mm-hmm. timely wow. and the laws, of course, didn't make it any easier, etc. But the community was the reason this case ends the way it ends. Can't overstate that or underappreciate it. Well, I guess we can't underappreciate it. We can't overappreciate how great the yeah. community came together for this. After 24 hours of her being missing, the family really starts to panic and begins speculating about maybe Skylar being someone who could be involved. You know, they remembered why he was incarcerated and that whole thing. And they had had a couple volatile breakups. So it wasn't really out of the question for him to be someone that was like, oh shit, did he come to the reservation and maybe try to get Hannah back? Was he at the powwow? So they start asking if anyone had seen them and everyone said no. No one had seen him that night. Nobody had seen him even near Hannah. So that was kind of something that was in the back of their minds, but specifically people that weren't related to her couldn't help but also speculate about maybe she was tired of mom life. Maybe she went out that night and had a lot of fun and was running away like she used to as a teenager. I want to say that nobody related to Hannah believed that this held any, any merit or that this was an actual lead. They knew that she wouldn't leave Jeremiah and run away now that he was in the world. Sure, that, that's... That's the reason. So the family hoped that Hannah would resurface for Rose's reception, even though they were all really sure this was unlike her Mm -hmm. to be gone for so long. But they still were like, she's not going to miss her sister's reception if she is just sleeping off this hangover somewhere, which was a terrible thought that they had. But of course, this was the best terrible thought in all of their minds. So Mm -hmm. they were also really hoping that's what had happened. It was after she no-showed to Rose's wedding reception that everyone knew that something a lot darker was keeping Hannah from coming home. Rose was heartbroken. She couldn't even eat her cake. And so at that point, they drive to the police station and report Hannah missing around the 24-hour mark. The police said they were limited on officers, but that the family could search for themselves. Excuse me? Yeah, they said it's a really busy weekend. We can't give you any of our officers. She's probably just partying too, so... To search for a missing woman? Yourself. Yeah. You don't think about, I don't know, calling in reinforcements? Yeah, so I'm going to touch on that later a little bit, but it's really just the runaround. So the police are kind of like, well, the reservation police didn't call for backup. And of course, the reservation police can't be reached for comment. So the whole thing's just like a broken system. Right. You know what I mean? Like you look to the BIA and they're like, well, local enforcement didn't do anything. And Mm -hmm. local enforcement's like, well, we weren't called in federally. What's the BIA? Bureau of Indian Affairs. Thank you for they, clarifying. Of course, they, they outsource these police officers on the reservations, and they're responsible for that whole get-up. Okay. Rose and Melinda begin investigating themselves. Once Desi, one of her childhood friends, hears that people are like, have you seen Hannah? She hasn't been seen. She immediately was like, oh, fuck, and starts panicking. Because again, they, they all grow up hearing things like, don't drive in a car by yourself. Don't be on a Montana highway off the reservation alone. Like, take someone with you. And again, don't call the police. They don't care. 
And unfortunately, this is a great example. Melinda, you know, against all odds, went anyway within 24 hours and was still told, good luck on your own. We're not helping. Yeah. The police really leaned into the fact that Hannah might have been trafficked. I guess it's a huge problem along Highway 212, mm. which is near the reservation as well. If it doesn't run directly into it, I'm not sure. But uh, her family knew that as well was like a real possibility, but that didn't stop them from looking for her body right. like in the immediate yeah. hours after. And you don't just assume one possibility when you're searching for a missing family member, I assume. I mean, like, I don't think you, you are like, oh, that's got to be it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not enough. Every exactly. Avenue. Exactly. So Rose and Melinda also start going around, like we said, asking if anyone had seen Hannah, who had been with her the night before, all of those things. Mm-hmm. They learn that the last people to be seen with Hannah are a couple named Garrett Wada and Eugenia Rowland. Gina. 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 So Melinda learns that the couple went to a bar right outside the reservation on the night of the 4th of July. And I guess that's where people go if they want to keep drinking. It's one of the only places that will still still serve you. Mm-hmm. Melinda goes to, goes to the bar to confront the couple and they're not there. But she actually convinces the owner to show her the footage from the night before. And she sees them all on video together leaving. Gotcha. It's a pretty good lead. Yeah. Like for her amateur police work. She's discovering quite a bit. Right. She's pulling a lot of things together. So Melinda tracks them down at a grocery store and actually convinces Gina to get in the car and go to the police station because she doesn't believe that they're not involved in the fact that her daughter's been missing. So she does this all for the police. She's like, you're the most credible lead. I know the police aren't doing anything. I'm going to take you there myself so they can question you because this needs to this needs to be going somewhere. Mm-hmm. The police kind of half-ass question her and then immediately release her. So the family's devastated. Right. At this point. At this point, where do you go? Like, how do you move forward? Right. You're doing everything. You can't do all of it, unfortunately. Like, you can't formally investigate her yourself or Mm -hmm. charge her or find that there's enough evidence. Right. Her uncle, Elton, actually posted on Facebook and asked for people who are willing to put together a search party of their community. Pretty immediately, the fire chief actually volunteered, and that was cool. They were able to get a map of the reservation, and they started at the these abandoned trailers that, I guess, teenagers would oftentimes frequent, like, party in or do whatever. But I guess it's, it was kind of a normal thing. So they're all searching, and then word gets around to Melinda that guess who shows up at the search party? Gina. Gina and Garrett. So they show up and they're like, we need to be looking on the west side uh-huh. of Mighty Creek. So look on the east. Right. They're like, why are you trying to divert us away? Also, how fucking dare you? Yeah. So Melinda gets angry and she's like, how dare you? You aren't welcome here. You need to leave. And they did leave. The fucking state. They got up and left the state. Okay. Not sketchy at all, right? Yeah. So Monday, July 8th, the search continues. Her family fears she's trafficked, but they're not willing to accept it long enough to not give up, like we kind of talked about. Finally, at that point, the police join in, and then the FBI is called in pretty quickly, and they discover shoes near the trailers in Hannah's car. Oh, God. So that's really bad news for the family, who obviously was, you know, really, again, hoping she had just run off. Mm -hmm. I know Marty actually said she sent a text that was like, hey, people are kind of angry, but you need to come home if this is just something you're doing, like we're worried about you, which is kind of the most heartbreaking thing I can hear. Mm -hmm. Because again, even then, she's like kind of trying to protect her little little cousin. Yeah. I don't know. It just breaks my heart. 
the fire chief had hoped Hannah again was hiding out somewhere, but that maybe she was still alive. And then he hears the assistant chief report that a body's found over the radio. So a search party member found Hannah's half-naked body in the woods of the reservation. Rose collapsed. She hoped that this was all a nightmare, that maybe none of it was real and she'd wake up from this. Of course, Melinda's heart was broken and she never really allowed herself to think that Hannah had actually fallen victim to something really, really dark. Mm -hmm. It was obviously why they were all searching, but I think against all odds, she was still really hoping it was that nightmare. The FBI took over the case from here, investigating Gina and Garrett. They had the surveillance tapes, but no concrete evidence, basically an entire case of circumstantial evidence against them. Mm-hmm. So they keep they kept tabs on the couple, waiting for them to split up. And I think the FBI did this for a lot of things, not only jurisdictionally, as we've seen with the police kind of being like, well, who's in charge of it, but also that Garrett and Gina left the state. So mm-hmm. I'm really glad that this is how it went down. I don't know if anything else could have happened, right. but it is annoying. Um, so they wait and they wait and they wait. They're keeping tabs. And eight months later, Gina's drinking with a relative in Rapid City, South Dakota, when she admits to killing Hannah. What the fuck? The cousin immediately calls the FBI and the couple's arrested the next day. According to Gina, the couple and Hannah had been partying that night and they all decided to keep the party going at a bar, Mm -hmm. the, the bar we've talked about. Um, after that, they eventually all go to the trailers to get some sleep. I'm going to give a blanket trigger warning now. Garrett doesn't admit to anything. Gina says they all went to the trailers to fall asleep. She claims she woke up in the middle of the night to Hannah screaming for help because Garrett was raping her. Rather than help Hannah, she beat Hannah to death in a frenzy because she and Garrett were dating. So because your boyfriend is raping a helpless, your friend, single mother who you claim is your friend, you're going to kill her. Yeah. Gina said something stupid, like Hannah hit her. So then she beat her to death. But I don't, I don't even include that in the version of events because it's such bullshit and clearly not what happened. Yeah. Uh, Technically it's on the record now. And if you want to believe that you can, but know that I think you're stupid if you do. Why would she call for help? And then hit you. And then hit you. Unless you were obviously also attacking her or threatening her or teaming up with your rapist boyfriend. And it does add insult to injury when Hannah was the one who like was trying to bring Gina around. Yeah. It just sucks. It's a whole sucky situation. Garrett only admits to moving the body because according to him, he woke up and Hannah was already murdered by Gina. And, and then his penis Gina, was never inside her, I'm sure. Right. And um, Gina asked him to hide the body that he, he admitted to. That's the only thing he admits to doing. So he gets charged with accessory to murder after the fact and gets 10 years. Gina immediately recanted her confession once in custody, but she's convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 22 years. Can I ask some technical questions? Yeah. I might not know the answers, but shoot. Why, if they found her body half-naked... Did no one run a rape kit? It's an incredible question. So actually, she was found only four days after. Um, What ended up happening was that she was so badly decomposed already from being in the elements. I don't know if it rained. I'm totally speculating. But I would imagine that if she was only out there for four days but was so badly decomposed, I would think that there were a lot of like third-party 
things involved, like maybe animals mm-hmm. or maybe the weather or just the fact that she was exposed to the elements for maybe even that long. Like, I don't know anything. Yeah. But from a legal standpoint, I know that they didn't find any fingerprints or DNA, which means they didn't find any semen on her. So that's the only reason. Okay. It was the fact that they had to charge him with what they thought would like would stick, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they wanted to charge him with everything. But again, since it came down to only two people who were he said, she saying mm-hmm. over a dead body, um, they had to charge him with what they knew would, would stick, which was what he admitted to, which was accessory to murder after the fact. Right. I think there is little doubt, though, that he was more involved. Like, I think everyone knows a lot, something a lot darker and more sinister happened. And it's really sad that we can't put people away for that it yeah. sucks that's a, that's a downfall of the system i i just was curious if they did search for dna because half naked to me immediately rings right. sexual assault yeah so no i agree i i think it's bullshit i think maybe if hannah harris had been a little white girl things might have gone differently mm-hmm. which is heartbreaking but i think it's super relevant well, and that's, we've touched on this in previous episodes, but like the Gabby Petito case. Yeah. Absolutely. She should have had that outpouring of support from us in the community. And, and we all desperately followed that case on social media and in the news to hoping to God, you know, I mean, I don't think you and I ever really thought she would be found alive, unfortunately, but right. we wanted her to be found. And, and Gabby didn't have a 10 month old at home, not drinking yeah, milk. That's the thing is like, she deserved that. But so does every woman. Exactly. And especially, that's why we highlight, that's why you specifically highlight these missing and murdered Indigenous women is because they deserved their stories told too. And they deserved the same amount of law enforcement support. And luckily, in this case, Hannah got that community support. I agree. Um, I wish she just got it from the state and from the country too. I'm off my soapbox now. (laughs) You're fine. So aftermath. Her family erected a cross exactly where her body was found in the woods. Her friends often visit and leave necklaces and sunglasses and other little trinkets mm. just because they miss their friend. Rose, Hannah's sister, cried remembering Hannah's smile. She was interviewed for True Life Crime, which is an MTV series that Need from Catfish actually narrated mm. or led into. And there's a really cool guy, like Dimitri maybe, who actually like went to the reservation and talked to all of the relatives and really got everyone's account and brought all of the details out in a journalist narrative. Yeah. Highly recommend watching that if you want to see all of her relatives up close and to see more pictures of Hannah. She really was a beautiful person. Mm-hmm. Rose is actually seen holding Jeremiah, who's now around like five and he actually says people don't get second chances to be babies again kind of kids say things he totally said it and just very matter-of-factly and rose was like why would you want to be a baby again and he just was like to see my mom again that is one of the most heartbreaking things i've ever heard yeah yeah and you just see the poor guy who's following up on these leads and he's just trying not to sob because again, I think when you're that little, you don't realize how sad some of the things you're saying are. Yeah. And he's just like, no, this is this is what's happening. Like, I wish I was a baby again. You don't, but you don't get second chances to be babies again. And this guy is just devastated in front of him, like this grown man yeah. who's just like, I'm, I hate that you have this already. Yeah. I don't know. We really. Uh, this was a comment that somebody made about childhood and trauma the other day. Is that. You know, we want to picture children and childhood as this really happy, lighthearted, fun experience. And for so many kids, it's not. Right. 
due to, you know, things that happen to them or things that are done to them or things that happen around them. Mm -hmm. And I think that it breaks a little piece of us when we have, when we're faced with that. Right. Melinda was furious at the police department after her daughter was found. She was determined to get justice for her daughter and continue holding rallies because they still knew little nothing about where, how, and why Hannah was killed then. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't get the confession for eight months. So between the time when her daughter was found to the confession, Melinda actually held so many rallies with their community and with their state to bring missing and murdered women to the front, like the forefront. Mm -hmm. In 2019, the Montana legislature passed Hannah's Act, which requires a specialist to assist and monitor all missing persons cases in the state. Wow. And they're really, really optimistic that this is going to bring a lot of support to families who are going through the same thing Mm -hmm. and maybe might even find their relatives and loved ones in time to find DNA and get the full sphere of justice that a lot of other people get. For the last three years, May 5th, which again, it's Hannah's birthday, has been recognized as a national day of awareness for murdered and missing Indigenous women and their families. Wow. She was a member of the Northern Cheyenne Nation. Her legacy prevails through her Hannah's Act, authorizing the Department of Justice to assist local law enforcement in missing cases. Governor Steve Bullock actually signed that law into effect. Many people wear red and share stories of their loved ones on social media or attend community rallies on this day. But again, this isn't something that everyone in the community is so excited and willing to full-fledged be a part of because this is still so traumatic and everyone responds to this epidemic in different ways. So while some women are able to really wear the red and embrace this, other women are so caught up in missing their loved ones and sisters Mm -hmm. or mom that it's not something they're able to do yet. It's something we're trying to do. We haven't really plugged our merch very much um, at all. No. But we do have merchandise for for the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women movement. Made yes. By our, once again, incredible, incredible graphic designer, uh, Sierra Kahiga, who is part of the Cherokee and Ottomazara tribes. She's from Oklahoma. Um, you should absolutely find her online at Sierra Spirit and commission her for things. Absolutely. But we are trying to use those merchandise sales to donate money to support the search and the movement of missing and murdered indigenous women yes that's all we have for you today thank you guys for listening sadie thank you so much for sharing hannah's story it was really beautifully done don't be a fucking dirtbag don't be a fucking dirtbag and tune back in if you want to hear more